Welcome to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. In a recent episode, we talked with Jody Fisher of the Adelante Foundation about the entrepreneurial spirit in Honduras. The entrepreneurial spirit can be found in a lot of different cities. Blessed to live in Denver, where we have a really strong entrepreneurial spirit. My guest today, Susanna Gonzalez, is here in Denver at the Commons on Champa, which is Denver's entrepreneurial hub and a place that anyone with that spirit can kind of come drop in and work and talk with other like-minded individuals. Susanna's here to talk about her quest to bring the entrepreneurial spirit to her town in Venezuela, where there's a lot of interest in starting businesses. Susanna, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be talking here with you and getting to know the Denver side scenes and the community that I think is very lovely and I like it very much. Yeah, I love our community here too. I've said before on other episodes, one of my favorite weeks here is our startup week, which is in the fall every year. And we have tons of people and it's a place where you see people that are doing stuff about their problems as opposed to people that are just complaining, which there's plenty of that elsewhere in the world. I think this is the first time I hear somebody saying that entrepreneurs are those who do instead of complain. And I love it. Yeah, for sure. I think you have said something you mind blowed me. <laughs> I, that's the spirit. Now, uh, Susanna, you noticed the spirit in your hometown. Uh, explain the observations that led you to the path that you're on right now. Well, the thing about Venezuela is that we are culturally in this type of mindset that we like to do things. Like if there's a something wrong in the office, we will clean it, we will fix it, we will just do it. It doesn't matter, it's not our job to do it. But mm. it's kind of the mindset that people take responsibility on things that are happening around. And then we have this strange political situation, economical decline, and people decided that they needed to do things to fix their reality. And I think those two things together created this very entrepreneurial mindset where everybody wants to start a business. Everybody has an idea because everybody needs money. <laughs> yeah. And since attractive enough. So you're observing, and I think most people listening are probably familiar with the, what the situation in Venezuela is like. This spirit of people, the average Venezuelan, as you're observing, is someone that's saying, okay, we're in this tough situation. We had all this stuff happen over the past couple decades or now I want to do something about it. Now I want to help build everything back. I want to build something that's going to make what I see around me better. Is that accurate? It is kind of in a way. I mean, I think I'm not the only one who has some questions to oneself regarding, am I going to stay in the country? And if I'm going to do it, how am I going to do it? Like, mm -hmm. You cannot stay in a place that you don't like how it is if you're not doing something to change it, at least in a way. So it tends to happen a lot that people are just looking for an income, like something secure to keep their family, to put food on the table. And they end up doing a business because it's the only way. And what kind of businesses are you observing people starting or people talking about starting, people having the interest in building? There's like a going back to production of things like... I want to start farming. I want to start producing a type of meal, fruit, or, or product. Mm -hmm. 
because there's a lacking of local production. It is part of what happened a couple of years ago. The government made these policies that made it so difficult to have local production that they just started to bring it from abroad. But now there's no money to bring it. So we are have to rethink everything again. It's about finding solutions to problems and necessities to cover. So a lot of this is just kind of building back society almost from scratch. It sounds, and I say maybe it is something like that, like there's a lot of the social fabric has suffered a lot. There's a lot of things that happened and people are just trying to rebuild their lives. They're just trying to make things better in many, many ways, which includes creating economical opportunities and getting the business up. What barriers are you observing for the average Venezuelan that you're trying to help that wants to build one of these businesses and is going about trying to build it, I guess? The biggest thing entrepreneurs find in their way is always fear, especially because this is a leap of faith. You have to jump into the void. And if you don't have experience, if you don't have like the tools, it can be very scary. Okay. Mm. And the other thing, of course, is necessity. If I am really starving, I will just try to make money as any way I can. So it's not like they won't do their entrepreneur, but they can maybe end up doing a cheap way or settling down for a very small goal instead of going all the way there. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a lot of political issues regarding how legal and can it be to become a fully operative business. It's very challenging to do that nowadays in the country. Instead of being easy, now the government makes it very hard. Yeah, so it's like kind of something I take for granted because I'm sitting here at the Commons on Champa, and that's a center specifically set up here in Denver to foster our entrepreneurial community. And there's like people who donate it, trying to make it easier because we talk about our challenges, which is often how much money do you have saved up? Do you have some sort of cash flow? Can you take care of yourself and sometimes your dependents and your family from the time in which you decide to go full in on the idea to the time when it becomes a profitable business, which is never a short period of time. You can never come into the endeavor expecting to suddenly be profitable on your business in two, three months. That's just not realistic. But you're talking about not only do you have that standard set of challenges that I just mentioned, but also additional hindrance from your government and challenges with the whole social situation going on around you. Yes, that is a thing. Like I have a co-working space in my country too, which has the same mission that the Commons has here, but we didn't have the same support, like from government and other partners. We have to make everything like from our own pockets in a way sometimes, or just be founded by events or maybe the same members. So actually here in Denver, you are very lucky to have this type of spaces and these type of activities with the only goal of giving you all the tools that you need. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. what they are here. They're just here to make your life easier. I think actually I cannot say because I haven't been in that many cities, but this is like the best city to start a business, at least here in the U.S. And it has all the cool things that you need and you have the mountains. The mountains kind of makes it a very desirable place to live. People want to live here, which is probably why it costs a lot to live here. But 
this is not the time or place for a um, <laughs> tirade about how much houses cost here, but there was one in my neighborhood that sold for a million. So, well, but that's the same cost in Florida, you know? Yeah. And they don't have mountains. Yeah. They, they have, just have lots of rain and hot and alligators. And yes. Lots of alligators. They can eat, you your, they can eat your, everything you have. They can eat your child. <laughs> I, don't know, it's awful. I don't know. It's not, I don't hate Florida. Don't worry. But yeah. I think this is a very nice place to come and start your business and give your ideas an opportunity to become reality. Mm-hmm. So I invite you to come <laughs> while you're here. I don't invite you. You're here. And so you've been here in Denver for a few weeks now. Yeah. What have you noticed about the, the culture here? You kind of around a lot of entrepreneurs probably because of everyone in your program. What else you can kind of bring back to Venezuela or is there some things that we can learn from Venezuelan cultures that we've neglected here because no place is perfect? Well, that's true. No place is perfect, but every place can be improved Yeah, and everything can be improved. And that's a different way to look at it. I recommend you to think about that, especially if you're an entrepreneur. But here in Denver, I have noticed that the only one thing that appears to be a common thing is that people take a little bit things from for granted. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you have something, so you don't pay much attention to it. But you should pay attention to things. You should pay attention to the little details. And I don't know if it is a mindset here in the U.S. generally, but you should really strategize. Okay, You should go into deep of what you want to do and what you want to accomplish because normally things don't come flying from the sky. That's a hard work for them to happen. You have to do a lot of things to reach to a point. We have something like that also in Venezuela. If you're starving, you're going to get mango anywhere. There's always a mango tree around. You can just get free mango. Mm. So people don't give them enough importance. So when you leave the country and you have to pay money for a mango, it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to pay for that? That's free. That's there. So that's one of the things I noticed. But that's normal. It's just an effect. And my recommendations to people who are living into that loop is to pay attention to the details. Mm. Pay attention to the things you have that you don't know are not like common for everybody. Yeah, actually, it reminds me of this book called uh, Factfulness that I read a year or two ago. First of all, it's a great book because it, it talks about how our trends are better than a lot of people expect. So a lot of people oftentimes will say doom and gloom about what they observe, what the news says. But it talks about trends and say child literacy rate around the world and how a lot of middle income countries, countries that are somewhere between the dirt poor and, of course, the richest ones in the world are making a lot of progress. Even countries that here we tend to put in a bad light, such as Iran, how that country is actually far better off than they were 30 years ago, but we're just not paying attention to it. But this book also told a story about a Swedish, I think it was a nurse who did a program in India, and she got in a lot of trouble because she went into an elevator bank and tried to stick her hand in the elevator to make it stop before closing, which in the U.S. and in Sweden, a lot of other Western countries, we take for granted because they all have, you know, motion sensors, but that's not how it is in India. And the point of the story was that the way things work where you are right here is not necessarily going to be the way they work anywhere else. That's so true. (laughs) Like... You can take electricity for granted here, but you don't take it 
in Venezuela. You're, yeah. You constantly save your work. You always have your phone charged. You always book your computer because maybe you're going to lose electricity and you want to have fully battery charged. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. So tell us a little bit about Twist Hour. Okay. I noticed you just worked on your pitch for the program and what you're trying to build. You know, how is this going to work once you build it or once you build it out, expand it to what you really want to do? Well, Twist Hour came uh, after trying to find a way to escalate. Okay. We're a small place. We have very limited resources, limited staff, but we want to have a better reach in the community. So I started to look at what you do, what Denver does here Mm -hmm. in particularly the commons, which is place who is hosting me. And I noticed that there was a lot of interaction with people. I think bringing global interaction to the people in a very small town in this very deprived country could be the thing that can make these people go forward with their ideas. Because sometimes we just need like a paddle in, in their shoulder, like I need something to do. I want to go, but I don't feel like I have it, what it takes. And you just need somebody to talk to you about, maybe listen to challenges, how they were solved. I mean, it's a consulting hour. That is what I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. It can be networking, can just be chatting. The idea is that I'll connect entrepreneurs, experts, these type of people who you really want to talk about or yeah. talk with. Mm-hmm. And only for an hour, weekly hour. So it's more like some sort of matchmaking thingy, not like an app, you're not going to swipe. <laughs> but, <laughs> and maybe you will share some coffee, maybe you won't because of the time, but will you get shared beer? Who knows? Yeah. It depends because it's going to be remote, full remote. It's about making people to volunteer for it. So I'm asking you here to volunteer thing is that we have to find somebody who speaks English. <laughs> Unless you can speak Spanish. Can you? So uh, I can speak un poquito de español, pero muy despacito. Really, and anyone who speaks regular Spanish will probably hear how terrible that accent is because it, it probably sounds really horrible. But I just said like a little bit, but very slow. It's good to learn, obviously. Learning more languages opens up people's... It sounded very good. You don't, you don't have to feel bad about it. You made it very well. Yeah. Uh, estoy tratando. Um, yes, uh, <laughs> yes, you are. It sounds like what you're saying, and for anyone out there listening, is that when you go down the path of building something, whether it's entrepreneurial or in another category of building something on your own and building something based on your own personal reflection and deciding this is what I really want to do that can be a little bit lonelier of a path than I work and I have eight coworkers and we all do the same thing. And then we're going to go get a beer at five o'clock when the day's over. And so you need not only a little bit of camaraderie with other people that have followed similar paths, but also, and this is something that happens quite a bit on this particular podcast, some pointers from people who've done it. You know, we've had past episodes with marketing people, people who know about how to build a brand, people who know how to build content, people who know how to truly find yourself, people who know how to refine a product based on feedback. And and the list goes on and on of all the things that you just run into and you're always going to run into when you're building something. That's very true. It connects with other ideas that I have had. And I have this thing called a challenge, which is an educational challenge. And it's about developing critical thinking 
And the origin, the seed of this is that we were raised or built in a type of education that doesn't create critical thinking, quite the contrary. It just gives you like a rule book to follow and you're supposed to only look into that rule book. So whenever you find a situation that is not in the book, you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to solve it. And entrepreneur. It's not in the rule book at all. It's not at all. And nowadays less because making a business maybe a hundred years ago was very much different than now. Nowadays you have to be competitive. You have to be focused and you have to get access to lots of things that maybe are not in access for like contacts, collaboration networks, and all of these things that maybe people who were born into very good environments have. Like I went to a very fancy school and I'm friends with everybody who is in this business. So it's going to be easier, but it's not easier for everybody. And when we talk about social mobility, if you want to make people with less resources to yeah. reach the higher mountain, you need to give them some tools. You need to help them and collaboration networking is part of them. And of course, you need somebody who tells you how to do things, but mainly, and this is part of the ed challenge, you need somebody to tell you that you are doing a great job. And it's not necessarily about if you are doing it or not. It's just that we as human beings need reaffirmation of things. Yeah. Right? And, and that is something quite normal. It's part of who we are. And it is actually, I think, maybe even an evolution trade because that made us look for a pack yeah. instead of being alone, which gave us better odds of surviving. So, yeah, you need that. And it doesn't have to be actually a very good expert, just somebody that can listen to you. You can relate to that person and can even give you life advices. Maybe just tell you that you are doing a great job. Mm -hmm. Just continue that path. Is that's where you're supposed to be leading to. So, I mean, it sounds like any path where you're building your own thing is going to have its ups and downs. I think that's just a natural part of it. And when you have the downs or the challenging parts or you're not sure, it's always going to be more likely that you're going to succeed if you have someone, some form of encouragement, someone that's rooting you on. I actually have a photograph on my desk of a bunch of people that showed up to an event I had last Thanksgiving holiday, which to me is all about gratitude. So I had a gratitude festival and we all wrote down what we were grateful for and put it into a hat. And I have a picture of this group of people to remind me whenever that's like my way of seeing, okay, these are the people that want to see me succeed. So that sounds like something that you're trying to get more people tapped into. Yes. Well, the Ed Challenge I was mentioning you, it's based upon this thing called SOLE, S-O-L-A, a self-organized learning environment. It was developed by Sugata Mitra. And one of the things is that you have the capacity to learn by yourself using maybe digital tools, maybe just a book, but you have the capacity, but you need encouragement. So in this methodology, there's this thing called the granny. Okay. So it's like your granny who wouldn't understand your, your homework, but would tell you, you're doing a great job, honey. Just keep on going and will not be able to give you the right answers. Yes. She doesn't have them, <laughs> but it will give you the courage for you to find them. Uh, that is amazing. 
And then when it comes to building out your network of people, how important is it to make sure that wherever you are, whatever your circumstance is, that you build a network outside of your own little geographical area, as opposed to, I think you can build a network in your community. And I know in in Venezuela, you probably need some people from outside, but probably even if you're in a a really well-off place like Denver or San Francisco, New York, anywhere else, it probably still helps to build a network of people that are in different places. Well, I am pro open source. I am pro the new world. And mm-hmm. that means global world. It means international connections. You are not the same person after speaking to somebody who doesn't know your country or even your continent. Somebody who is not in your same time zone. Mm-hmm. You change because those types of interactions allow you to see the things very differently. And that is part of becoming a very 360 professional. Yep. You have to be aware of the differences the culture. There are many things that are very different, you know. Yeah. I, For example, I'll give you a very particular example. You talk to people about Venezuela and you get lots of like internet buzz about how things are not. Mm-hmm. But people believe it. And instead of believing something that they just read online, they should ask a local. They just communicate with the people and listen to what they have to say because each and individual story is different. Yep. And you don't get that if you stay in your hometown and you don't interact with anybody else. That makes sense. It reminds me of a common thing I hear about people from Africa complaining or just observing that a lot of people here think the whole thing is just a jungle mm-hmm. and not even recognizing that in Africa, there are cities, there are actually pretty big cities. They are just like we have here, but it's oftentimes depicted like well, your house is going to be a, a lion that just shows up at your front door no matter where you live, which is clearly inaccurate. It's not Australia, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have giant spiders. No, but yes, that's true. It actually reminds me of a fellow I met once. She was doing a research in Iceland. For some reason, they were chatting about the fact of when you are not eating your food and you're a kid, they tell you have to eat it because the children in Africa don't have food. Yep. And she wasn't upset about it, but she was like, we had food. <laughs> I mean, I know yeah. not everybody has it, but there are people in Africa who has food. There are people in Africa who goes to college, has PhDs, and then they get big opportunities. Even entrepreneurs and business people, there are. So there's a whole scale of things that you can see in different countries, of course, Nowadays, we actually joke that moment that, well, maybe it's like children in Venezuela who doesn't have food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are lots of children in my country who are starving because that's a reality, but there are others who are in very good condition. It reminds me of this short story of Charles Baudelaire called The Eyes of the Poor. It's a very good one. It's from the 19th century. Charles Baudelaire is what you call a damn poet. Okay. But he has also short stories. And this one is, he's noticing decadency of Paris. He's having a coffee at a place with apparently his love interest. And he's just staring at how people are in the street, very poor and starving and whatever. And then one kid is staring through the window at what he's eating. And he feels this sad and everything. And the girl just replies, isn't this annoying? I wish he he wasn't here looking at us. And that is the story. It's that is just a story. Hmm. So you have a person who is touch and mood 
by the poor in the city. And then you have another person just saying, isn't this annoying? <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, we observe that today, right? I mean, anywhere you go, like even here in Denver, you walk around, there are places where there's homeless people and there are people who say, this is annoying or people who just ignore it and other people who are genuinely moved by the fact that there are people here having that experience and wanting to help. It'll just be everywhere. Yes, and, and it is a, a mental health issue. I can tell you also because it happens in Venezuela. If I were to pay attention to all the things that happens in the country, I would just go crazy. I would be entirely depressed every day. I wouldn't be able to do anything good for me or for anybody. And and it's not my fault what's happening in the country, but I am responsible of what I can do yeah. from now on. And it's very difficult to find a balance because when you are somebody empathetic, you care, okay? There's no way to, to shut that down, okay? But you have to find the strength to collect yourself and do good things instead of focusing and feeling bad and sad. And one of the things I'm wondering also is that we're all going to read the news. We're all going to see some awful things going on. If it's easier to maintain that good mental health, if you have a project, if yeah. you have something that you're doing to help, so you know that, okay, once again, I saw this same bad thing happen, but I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing to help someone in my area live a better life. I completely agree. Having a goal makes everything easier. Okay, you just, just, just need to have something to do and to work for it. For example, what I do is that I just try to filter the, inform the news I get access to and the information. Normally, I don't watch videos because videos can be too much. But I have promised myself that I would read the names of the people who were like suffering or even died. I promised myself that I will be aware of what's happening because I owe that to the rest of the people. Here in Denver, I have seen lots of homeless. And of course, I, there's always a, a scary situation because I'm a woman mm -hmm. and I'm not even from the country. So it puts me in a very fragile situation. But I don't like ignoring that they are there. Okay? I see them and I acknowledge them. Sometimes I have given them food I have. I know it's nothing, it's stupid, like to just mention it, but it is part of my health, my mental health, okay? I, I am not ignoring this, okay? This is yeah. happening. It's not like I'm going to turn my eyes away of the situation. It's my duty as a human being to recognize this. Yeah. And when the opportunity arises, I will do something to improve it. Yeah. But I cannot do anything now because there's no opportunity for me to do anything, okay? I will just wait for it to come. And so a lot of it is avoiding that whole tendency some people have to beat themselves up in the head to do all the negative self-talk, self-shade, chatterbox, whatever word you want to use for it and say, okay, listen, someone might criticize me. I might criticize myself for apparently not caring or apparently not doing the right thing. But look at this, like I do care. I'm not ignoring it. And there's something that I'm doing. And in your case, that is helping build people's confidence to start businesses because when people start businesses, I mean, eventually they could be employing people and they could be kind of pulling a lot of other people up out of that situation. That is actually what makes a, a healthy economy businesses. Yeah. Yeah. You, you cannot have a healthy economy without production and especially you need local production. You need local activation. 
And I think it is very important to notice that, for example, Venezuela is a country that has many natural resources and it's easier to farm, it's easy to do many things there. But people stopped doing those things because the situation was too difficult. So now it's the task of who are there left to start again. What you were saying before reminds me of the Rainforest Alliance. They had a like a commercial thing, a video of somebody so depressed about the rainforest deforestation and what to do about it. And in the video, the person just give up its job, make a luggage, uh, a package, and, and then departure to the rainforest and return like, okay, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's not the way of helping. And what the video is suggesting is for you to select products of the Rainforest Alliance. That is a way of helping with the deforestation, the situation in the rainforest. Avoid to, to get in touch with those who are doing it wrong. It sounds like a tiny thing to do, but it's a big thing to do in the end. Well, a lot of things are a tiny thing to do by yourself, but one of the things that I think a lot of people get caught in the trap is this idea of, I'm solving this problem myself, whereas oftentimes it takes different groups of people collaborating in different areas. For example, one of my previous podcast guests, Christopher Moore, Harmony Turbines is doing the individual home wind turbines for wind energy. And in the episode, we discussed how this wind energy innovation, making these smaller, more viable wind energy sources for the home, is combining with the people who are developing better solar panels and the people who are developing better battery storage techniques to all kind of together solve the problem of home energy use using more renewable sources. And so it seems like a lot of it is this understanding, like, I'm doing my part, and as long as you have some indication that there are these other people, these other initiatives going on, that that is, you're just part of it, and that's a good place to be. I agree. I mean, collaboration is key in the new world. We're supposed to be open for collaboration and being cooperative. And if you don't keep those things into consideration, it's going to be more difficult for you to do everything. Like individualism isn't bad because we are all individuals. We have to find a way of connecting ourselves with the rest. Yeah. We're supposed to be individuals part of the community, not a common thing just all together like an amoeba or something. No, we're supposed to be very <laughs> different people, just yeah. getting to know each other, diverse, inclusive, like... I am from a very different country than you and he, we are talking about and collaborating and creating things together. And yeah. that's the whole point of the new world. Yeah. Well, part of it involves the comfort of being around people who are different and not being threatened by it. And I think that's one of the problems we had before was too many people were threatened by someone that looks different, acts different, talks different, approaches things in a different manner. And it seems like this new world involves us recognizing that that's actually something we need. That's actually a great thing to be a part of. And that when you hear someone come at something from a completely different perspective, that's like a great experience to have. I agree. I mean, maybe it was a very primitive instant to be afraid of what was different because it wasn't supposed to be part of your tribe. But nowadays there are many types of tribes. You don't focus only like in the the physical things. You want to talk to people that like the same music that you like and read the same type of books and watch the same movies 
and who enjoys to go outdoors or who enjoys to bike ride. Yeah. You want to connect with people because of their content, not because of how they look. Yeah. And I think that's evolution. We are evolving. Anything that will bring us to the next level, that is a great thing. And now you're here as a part of a larger initiative, forgive me if I get this wrong, the Young Leaders of the Americas Initiative. It was perfect. (laughs) Nice. It's Wiley. It's a state alumni program. It is set for people, uh, entrepreneurs and leaders of what you Americans call the Americas, which includes North America, South America, and the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So uh, they select a couple of people from each of these countries. Uh, From Venezuela, they were around 10. I think there were 20 from Mexico, uh, maybe like two from Jamaica, I don't know, or two from Guyana, I don't know, dependence on the country. So there might be five, eight, or two, or three. And they just come to the U.S., to different specific cities. In my case, I was selected to Denver, but there are people in Portland, San Francisco, no, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And more than 40 cities, I think, there they are. Oh, wow. Yes, and there are more like more than 10 of each were in total 250 people from the Americas, including Canada, like doing this fellowship thing, different places uh, related to what we do in our current countries. So we are here to collaborate, cross pollinization, (laughs) engage in joint projects and learn. So my host is supposed to learn from me and I'm supposed to learn from my host. In this case, my host is the Commons. And I'm very happy to have come here. It's a very lovely place. I love it. I'm very sad this is going to be over very soon. (laughs) I think it was not enough time, but it is what it is. And we have to continue online then. Yeah, uh, for sure. And this cross-pollinization, which I know is like a buzzword, maybe some of you all have heard and stuff. But, you know, it's interesting because it is a a two-way street. Like, we're learning both ways. And hopefully that'll make us all grow a lot better. And in this program, you've also gotten to interact with some people around town here who have come from all these other countries. What has that experience been like to encounter people from places like Bolivia, Honduras, and Belize, and everywhere else? Yeah, well, I think everybody's very excited, at least here in Denver. I don't know how is the other cities, but everybody's here excited about their host and doing what they're doing and learning and meeting people like have had the opportunities to revise their projects. We had to mm. do this pitch you were mentioning. It was homework. It was mandatory. And you have to, to upload your pitch by before midnight on Monday. And everybody was so into it. And I think it was very good for us to have that type of exercise, like having to pay attention to details, looking yeah. for improvements, Uh, receiving feedback from different people like this is my pitch what do you think about it oh i think you should include this i think you should take this away why don't you look to the camera why don't you do this and that and and those are things that are very necessary it's part of the learning process it's part of becoming a better expression of yourself yeah so i think this is generally speaking a very good experience after we finish in our cities we're going to go for a week in washington which i think is going to be very interesting moment to be in Washington (laughs) and I haven't been there. So it's good experience to go and know the city. Yep. And, and then we are supposed to go back to each of our homes. And then 
when you go back to Venezuela and continue on your path, what's the continued relationship with the commons, your host, or with anyone else that's uh, involved in the program? Is there regular check-ins that people kind of continue to give each other advice? There's going to be some opportunities for us to continue to interact together. In my case, it could be a bit complicated because of Venezuela. But I know that in other places and with other hosts, there sometimes can be invited to the countries. Oh, wow. Yes, to do things for maybe a week only, but they can be invited and things like that, which is actually very good. I think that gets gets you a lot of (laughs) (laughs) cross-pollinization. Yeah. There will be other opportunities to have uh, academic programs and things to do, which can be of a lot of benefit for for both communities, the one in your country and the one that hosts you here in in the U.S. So it is very nice, and I hope to continue the very nice relationships I have created here during my time in Denver. That is awesome. It's just awesome whenever we bring together people to you know, just give perspectives on ideas. Sometimes the best perspectives you get are, well, the most useful ones are come from the most unexpected sources. How much have you refined your ideas that you came here with for Twisted Hour? How much has been altered? How much has been like, kind of like, oh, I need to consider this, or I haven't thought about that, or maybe I need to reconsider that? Well, I think that one of the biggest lessons I'm taking with me is the importance of the community. I mean, besides the, the co-working itself, one of the things that makes the commons, the, the way it is, is that it's part of a larger thing. Yeah. And that is very important to, to take with me, especially in my position where one of my goals is to restore the social fabric in my country, especially in my town. So I have to get engaged with the larger community. You know, I have to be involved with the rest of the community besides the, the co-working itself. Even here, sitting here at the Commons on Champa, for example, there are plenty of business-owning members of the community that will never show their face in this particular building. Just because it's here and just because people say you can come here wherever you want, we have these events, these resources, doesn't mean a specific person is going to decide to come. And so what you're saying is that there's going to be another, a whole community out there both within your hometown as well as kind of outside that need to kind of come in and somehow be engaged with the people who you are trying to help build their confidence, build their businesses, get the right reinforcement and get the right feedback. Yes. It's just that the commons is part of a larger scheme. It's a big plan here to keep Denver the way it is and to improve it every as possible. So the commons is just one part of it, very important one, because entrepreneurial spirit is one of the things that makes the city go. Yeah. And there's also a lot of efforts regarding like urban planning and events and everything. Like you have Startup Week coming very soon. And that is all part of the same thing, just creating a better city. And I love it. You also said that you're looking for volunteers to... Yes. Um, dedicate their time. Would you be able to quickly describe if anyone out there is li- listening is interested, if anyone wants some more information, what exactly you're looking for a person who is, say, moved to help Venezuela to do and um, how they would best find you, get a hold of you, and, and talk to you about it? Okay. 
Okay, so Swiss hour is just thought of as a weekly date. Okay, you will have a virtual date with a Venezuelan who is trying to get something done, an idea, a business, a startup, you pick one, we have to see what is available. So you will have a conversation with these people and it's just going to be a nurturing time for both of you. And mm -hmm. of course, it's just one hour, so it's not going to take away much of you. And this will help a lot to our people. So unfortunately, the idea is mainly an idea now because it was something that I came up with last week. But <laughs> I hope that in the next, next maybe 10 days, I will have it available on the webpage. So you can just go online, sign up, and engage with a conversation once a week with and, somebody. And that webpage is twisthour.com? Is that No, correct? it will okay. be in our own webpage, which is twiststudio. Okay. Dot social. Twiststudio.social. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure that anyone out there listening inspired has the right means to go about the resource. And then the final question I want to ask about is if anyone listening is also say in that spot where they're not sure you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier they're not sure what they want to do they just know that they want to help they just know i want to build something what would you say is the number one thing someone can do right now to start that reflection or determine what is it that they want to build what they want to do start with the why just find why you want to do something i remember it was in 2014 I decided to ask myself why I was still in the country. That is my why. Why am I still there? Mm -hmm. well, because I want to make it better. That is the reason why I do all the things that I do. That led me to different projects and different ideas and everything. Because my why is to make things better. I said in my pitch, I believe in people. Mm -hmm. And I believe also in empowering others. Yep. So that is what I do. And I recommend Anybody who has an idea, wants to do something, just ask yourself why. And it will light up everything. So that's like the first step. So yes. I, I talk about the situation. I think it was brought up by one of my other podcast guests of people saying, I don't know what I want to do. I just can't keep doing this. This referring to whatever their current job or endeavor is. So when someone's in that spot and let's say they don't have the necessarily the time or resources to do a three, six month long sabbatical to go into the rainforest and, you know, take 75 deep breaths or, you know, what, whatever the, the stereotypical things, not that I'm throwing shade on those things, because if you can do it, those are great. But if someone doesn't have that resource and they're just kind of stuck where they are or feeling stuck, the first thing they should do is kind of like, just look into, okay, why, what is moving me? What am I wanting to do? Like, what is that? Why you said, like, I want to make my country a better place. Maybe someone else is looking at the homeless population saying, I want to change help these, this group of people. Or someone else could say, I just want people to sit in nicer chairs. I, you know, I'm just trying to come yes. up with something that not as have to be this like deep, gigantic global problem, but still something that's worth being a why. Yes. I, I was very shocked a while ago. I heard that the most wanted class at Harvard was happiness class. I was shocked because I couldn't understand how people were not, I mean, it was like people don't want to be successful. People want to be happy. And it was like, how on earth will you be su successful if you're not happy? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I cannot understand how those things are not connected. 
And then I kind of understand that the culture maybe here is very different and people don't get the happiness part and they only get the successful, which I don't think that's successful at all. Yeah. <laughs> and I have always been working in things I like. I started working. I like at least at some point, even when I was like editing law books, Yeah, <laughs> I liked it because I like edition and, and books and reading and everything. So I cannot understand that somebody's doing something that they don't like and makes them happy. So if you're doing something that doesn't make you happy, please stop. Find <laughs> something that makes you happy and then figure out why that makes you happy. Yeah. And then it will give you all the knowledge of yourself that you need. Reminds me of a piece of advice I sometimes give people, which is like finding those times when you're in that flow state, when you're so entrenched in what you're doing, you forgot to eat a meal, you forgot to go to the bathroom, or if you kind of dig deeper and say, like, why did this make me so enthralled in it that I wanted to stay doing it when this other task I do, I'm checking websites, I'm just distracting myself with everything. But if you dig deep into that, you can usually find your why, and you can usually find, as you said, the ideas will come once you find that why. And hopefully you all encourage that this is something that you can do, even if you're not in the best of circumstance, even if you just have half an hour a day to spare to like really dedicate toward reading up on some subjects and seeing if it motivates you and reflect on your experiences. I agree. Well, fantastic. Well, Susanna, thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes. I wish you the best in bringing this entrepreneurial spirit to Venezuela, to a place that really needs it. I hope that it becomes a very positive and uplifting development for a place that's uh, not exactly having the best of times right now. And I would like to thank everybody out there listening to Actions Antidotes and encourage you to find your why, encourage you to foster a network of people both within your community as well as all around the world from different perspectives, and tune back into Actions Antidotes for other episodes where we interview people who are pursuing their true passions. <laughs>